0: Welcome to the podcast, Conversations with Jeff Bucknam. Jeff Bucknam is the lead teaching pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel, and we're having a couple of conversations in this podcast And because we believe everyone has a story. And so we're going to start off with a little bit of conversation. Who are you? Uh, I'm Tommy Kreitz. I'm the host. I should say that, shouldn't Hopefully. I? Yeah, people should know who's talking right now. Tommy Kreitz, uh, I am the host of the podcast. Pleasure to be here, and I'm excited for today. We, we've got a couple of... You know current events that we got to get up to date on, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. So the beginning
1: of our podcast is probably going to involve us bantering a little bit about current events and yeah, important issues that we need to know about. <laughs> we need to talk about these issues. They're so you said important. to me before we
0: started that yeah. there's something about this, what? What did you call it? Yeah, it's called TikTok. I'm sorry. What uh, is it? Yeah, <laughs> it's not a clock, and uh, it is a TikTok. TikTok. It is a social media platform. So tell me really
1: quickly before we get further into your question about TikTok. Yeah. Uh, isn't this the one that the Chinese basically put together and then Donald Trump said, you you can't do that. And so the I, I heard Americans had to buy it. And <laughs> Yeah, this is exact. So exact now one. it's an American owned. So when you look at TikTok, you feel like you're a patriot. You're a patriot.
0: Exactly. Right. Exactly. It wasn't that a couple of years ago, but now it is. Describe TikTok for me. So TikTok is a video-based social media in which uh, people create short videos of themselves doing a number of different things. So... sounds like Vine. It's a lot. Yes. Okay. Uh, There's also another iteration of it called like Musical.ly or something where people would lip sync along to music and that got really popular and kind of led to... A lot of dances on TikTok. A lot of dances. Okay. Which is really great for people who don't know how to dance and are trying to learn... (laughs) Yeah, but it's fun to it watch. shows you. Yeah. It shows you what to do. And so there was this new trend that just happened. I don't know if you've heard about it. I wanted to talk to you about it. It was called devious licks. Have you heard of that?
1: Yeah, totally. No, I have okay. not heard of that. All right, no.
0: okay. So it was this whole trend of people, uh students going into their schools and they would be taking things from the bathroom. Uh h- hand sanitizer stations. Uh and then it would work up. It started small as m- many things do. And then it worked up into this giant, like people were bringing like toilets home into their, what? yeah. Oh yeah. And they would take a, a TikTok of it and then they would put out and say like, look at this devious lick that I got. And it was, you know, wow, a, a toilet or a mirror or a whole sink in their, in their what, bedroom. If you're
1: the parent of that kid and you walk into their bedroom yeah. in the evening yeah, and there's a toilet there, what are you thinking? Yeah. You're like, where do you say, where did you get that toilet? I would hope so um
0: i would hope that or is it like the elephant in the room that you just don't pay any attention to yeah uh (laughs) either my son or daughter got that from a like a a junkyard or they took it from their school and oh boy (laughs) what a conversation and so tiktok actually banned that whole thing they did they did they anything with devious lick they banned it they banned it Wow. So had
1: they done had they been doing dances, it would have been okay. But yeah, if you would dance with those thing. things. That's pretty yeah. funny.
0: Isn't that crazy?
1: It is crazy. Tommy, you're not done that with the church, have you? I have not. No. I, I keep all of the
0: <laughs> sanitation things where they need to stay. Yeah. It's very Now good. that you've mentioned it, I'm a little bit
1: concerned that there are gonna be some some high school kids around here like we're doing it with the church. Yeah. That's it.
0: <laughs> but it's banned on TikTok, so there's no there's no clout to be had. Can I
1: ask a quick question though yeah. before we move on? Totally. Um how how did they like I try my best not to even touch the toilets yeah. in, in schools. Yeah. But these kids actually disassembled one. They did. Yeah. And they brought it home with them. Yep. They
0: that the how of that is really puzzling. That can't be that can't be COVID friendly. It is not. <laughs> it can't be any sort like of we're friendly.
1: Gonna, if we're gonna ban stuff, we should ban the taking of the toilets home. Yeah.
0: I agree. And they did. We
1: should have so they had we like a mandate. That's they, where we should mandate yeah. things.
0: And they, they had teachers who would then would have to like be outside of the bathroom and make sure that they didn't take any that is really funny. of the things inside of it. It was yeah, quite wild. Yeah. Ah, uh, TikTok. Hey uh Tommy, yes, in
1: in light of the TikTok. Yes. Uh I feel like I feel like I would like you to give me uh information regarding the like what wh- what are the kids saying these days? Give me some oh, give yeah. me some new kid slang yeah, yeah. these days okay. so that me like i'm 49 mm-hmm. so i need to have a little bit of uh, an update
0: Sp- expand your vocabulary yeah well a i got bit.
1: high sc- my son just graduated from high school last year so i feel like i'm a little bit up to speed with some of it yeah totally but it changes every few months so we got some listeners out there i'm sure
0: who haven't got a clue about what the new words are give me your latest like what's the newest word that you know Well, i
1: told you just before my son whenever he eats something that he likes he says that slaps yeah but i don't actually know if that's a thing for anybody else he might have just done that on his own on his own yeah
0: i've heard that before okay i've heard that before so yeah the uh the new version of that is uh is this word called bussin (laughs) that's bussin where is it from? What does that come from? I have no clue. I don't know where any of these things originate. Okay. Uh, I'm sure in some But songs, if I like
1: something, I say it, that's bussin'. That's bussin'.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is... Yeah. So if you like... <laughs> if you like... Or... So there's another word, and this one's super common, and I'm sure that you've either heard this or will hear this now, is the word sheesh. And it's usually done in the upper register. You know what I mean? Like sheesh, like that. Okay. And why? so if something is good... Uh, if it's, if it's good, it's kind of one of those words that you can use in a lot of different situations. Kind of like, let's go. Remember that? Yeah. Let's, let's go. go. Yeah. Sheesh is like that. So, you know, it gets into that place where something good happens and you're like, sheesh. Or something bad happens. You're like, sheesh. You know, it's like that. <laughs> and so you will Our hear, producer, Wesley's over yeah. here and he's
1: he's nodding. <laughs> I, I have it he's right. he's
0: like, yeah. what are you, 20? 23. He he's 23, says he's 23 yeah. years old. So he's, he understands it. He's totally with it. Yeah. And so it is a very popular phrase right now. All right, so use that. Any more? And you're going to be super. You cool got no more busting get... and she. Those are. Uh, I mean, I can't. By the of... way, what
1: do I get if I can throw both those words in a sermon?
0: Yeah. Um. Well, first off, instant clout. Okay. That's another word. There we go. I found another one. Clout. Okay. Uh, but that's not. That's a word that. We know what it means. I know what clout means. You know? <laughs> Perfect. But it's look, coming back, I, yeah.
1: I am going to try to put, push. Uh, Bussin
0: and sheesh! In a sermon, yes, I can't wait. Yeah, you could just say, you know, ev- and everyone said sheesh.
1: <laughs> this guy loved it so much; he was like sheesh. That did that be? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Okay. All right, hundred
0: percent. That, right. that works. Well, now that we've updated you on uh, the new things happening on TikTok <laughs> and this
1: weekend, just I'm sorry before yeah. you move on. Uh, this weekend, I was preaching, and uh, I'd made a joke about how. Uh, there were there there were I found ten marks of a healthy church. Yes. in this section and uh-huh. there's a nine. ministry called Nine Marks, and so t- take that nine marks. Yeah,
0: take that. Then people
1: kind of giggled and stuff, and I I said kind of under my breath, mine's got eleven. Yeah, <laughs> and there were about five people in this room who knew that that was a reference. This reference to this is Spinal Tap, which is anyway, it's a movie that was in uh-huh. the eighties or whatever. Yeah. But these four people in the in the rolling meadows on Friday, Saturday night just like erupted in laughter, but like awkward laughter. Like nobody else laughed. They yeah. were like, "What is? What no is one knows that? this." And they were like, ah, "Oh, whoop, whoop. <laughs> just <laughs> kidding! Only we knew it. <laughs> pretty good." But I looked over to them, gave them the old wink. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know.
0: I, I, you so know. when you say something, so like, when I say
1: sheesh, everyone who's listening to the podcast is gonna yeah. be like, "He did it."
0: Yeah, and when you do something like when you say, you know, this guy had nine marks and I've got 10, that's when someone would go, sheesh, like a a bit of a burn, you know? I like it. So anyway, now that we know how to use the the new young language, we're just helping people out here. Helping people understand the next generation with language and TikTok and devious licks. I mean, it's just a, this is a wealth of information, but we have a conversation, a great conversation to get to with Carl Barco, who is the pastor of multiplication and the campus pastor of our North Shore campus. And you guys are going to have a little bit of a combo together. We are. So let's get to it.
1: So I'm sitting across from Carl Barco. Hi. Thanks for coming, Carl. Hi, Jeff. I appreciate that very thanks, much.
2: Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate being here. It's always good to well, hang we'll out. Well, we'll see. Right? <laughs> yeah, right.
1: I mean, after a while, <laughs> you'll see. Carl, you, uh, you are married
2: mm. to? Kimberly. 20 years this year.
1: 20 years. Wow. You're yeah. 47, 45, 47? 40, 47, yeah. 47 years old. 20 of those years have been married to 21. Of those 21. years, yeah. Been married to Kim. Kim, you have three children. We do. We do. What are their names?
2: Uh, Charlie's the oldest. He is a freshman at Liberty. Okay. Uh, came from eight, he went through the HCA high school here. We moved here when he was a freshman. Uh, we have Ashley, who is a junior, and then Blake is our youngest, and he's a freshman at yeah. Harvest Christian Academy. And they like it. They love it.
1: Yeah, yeah, they love it. Do they you do. like living in Chicago? Well,
2: it's home. Uh, Midwest is home, I should say. We're Kim and I are both from uh, Wisconsin, so we live in Barrington now because that is the northernmost point where I can be in the harvest world and still get across the border. <laughs> the border uh, to Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Wisconsin, yeah, the promised land.
1: Um, really, yeah. Wisconsin's the promised down. land. I
2: mean, well, have right. you
1: been anywhere else?
2: Oh yeah, we've lived all over the world. <laughs> Various places.
1: <laughs> You're the first person's ever said that Wisconsin is the That's promised land. There,
2: there's a freedom. There's a there's a difference uh, in of the aura, the air, the way people are. It's just
1: uh, okay. Illinois. All right, I'm well, looking anyway, forward to finding out what what that
2: is. Yeah, yeah. So we we grew up in Wisconsin <clears> and um,
1: <throat> together there, and then. Well, hold on. You okay. you grew up in Wisconsin mm-hmm. together with with Kim yeah okay explain that to well, me you're from where where you, like what's your town
2: um so there's a little t- couple of towns right in between Milwaukee and Madison uh Heartland would be the probably the largest version that the town I grew up in is unincorporated with 600 people in it so the closest okay. town that anyone would know would be either Delafield or Heartland and Kim grew up in Heartland which both we grew up on a lake and she was on one side of the lake and I was on the other okay so I was a sophomore and high school when I met her she was a
1: senior oh did you know at that moment that you wanted to marry her no
2: but oh close strong possibilities
1: okay so when like when you met her she was just wasn't just your friend
2: no I met her with the intent to date
1: oh, okay um, but you were two be, years younger than yeah her. that that probably was not really impressive for a senior girl no. in high school
2: no, not unless I was... Unless you,
1: you know, were a pretty impressive guy. Yeah. Were perhaps, you?
2: No, I was the opposite of impressive <laughs> in high school. I didn't, uh, I didn't really grow in... Well, freshman year of college, I grew four inches and put on 50 pounds because I started playing rugby, and I okay. was a full athlete then. But no, not in high school.
1: Are you... So um, you both grew up on a lake. You uh, were in a town of 600 people. And are, does that mean that you're kind of a country boy? Yeah. So you feel most at home doing what? Uh, out in the open, in spaces, yeah, for sure.
2: Being in city is confining, I think, is the right way really? for me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, so if you could, are you a cowboy boot guy? Like you I, yeah. put cowboy boots on? Sure. And Got a
2: couple pair and okay. some hats, by the way.
1: And you would... If you had anything to do during a day, you'd like to be around like horses and pigs and stuff. Uh, maybe not the pigs, yeah, or or cow. I did deal with cows when I was
2: in college. I did a little horse work, cattle work, things like that, and that's okay. Um, I do like to be around horses. We have two; that they are up in Wisconsin. They're actually at a not-for-profit center called a hippotherapy center, so they help. Kids who have been stuck in wheelchairs um, use muscles they've never used before. So you put the kid on the horse and the warmth of the horse and they stretch Great. them
1: all out. It's really awesome. So, What's the name of your horses?
2: Uh, my horse is named Rifle. Okay. He, he actually was a movie horse when we lived in Utah. He was in the Mormons made a whole bunch of movies. Yeah, we're
1: going to get to Utah. Yeah.
2: So he would chase down stagecoaches and um, he was good for moving cattle. And then um, Pepper is an all black
1: Oh, Pepper. I had a dog named Pepper. Yeah. Okay. Pepper and Rifle. Pepper and Rifle. Okay. Yeah. So, uh when you grew up, were you part of a church or anything? Did you like grow up away from that? Or I would imagine somebody your age, kind of in the 70s and early 80s, I would imagine Midwestern, you everybody be part of a church, right? Yeah. Yeah,
2: it was, it's it's part of the culture for sure in the Midwest. A lot of German Lutherans, um especially up in uh Wisconsin. Um yeah, I was. I definitely grew up in the church um, in Heartland, um, a Lutheran church up there. And um, my whole family was involved in it. My grandfather kind of put down roots there after they moved from the city out west and uh, got that church started in the early
1: 80s. So now 40 some years old.
2: And um, yeah, spent a lot of time in there. So you, you you're a church, and all church
1: guy grew up, but was it like when you say Lutheran, in my mind, I'm thinking kind of main, mainline sort yeah, of Missouri church, Synod. meaning yep. that that
2: uh, baptism, confirmation.
1: Yeah. You know, did it mean did it mean a lot to you uh, when no, you were a kid?
2: No, I mean, it, we it's what we did. Right. It's what we, we went to um, Sunday mornings without question. We, you know, got up, got dressed, got your Sunday best on. And you went to church okay. and partook of that, but you know, as a kid, you were like, "I can't wait to get home at noon for the Packer game." Like, <laughs> that was, you know, church was just—it was a thing. It was a thing.
1: Were the Packers any good? Reggie White. Oh, Reggie White, yeah, the Reverend okay. Reggie White. The Reverend he, he, Reggie White.
2: My dad tells me he and he he and him, he and Reggie spoke on occasion every once in a while. I don't know how or what the connection. is. Wow, I know. I don't know. Through friend of a friend, something. Something, something.
1: So when you, so you're growing up there, you go to high school, you see your future bride at some point, We, we but you ended up going off, obviously, to college, mm-hmm. not really interested in Christianity or kind of cultural Christian. Yeah, the latter. Um, and what college did you go to? I went to the University of Denver in Colorado. Why? Uh, Why in the world does somebody from yeah. where you are yeah. go to the University of Denver?
2: couple of reasons i loved to ski i loved mountains and it was the best college that i got into out of the grouping that i applied to so that's where i went and i actually had an uncle that
1: lived out there as well okay
2: but yeah very secular school very secular school i promptly joined a fraternity
1: and which fraternity
2: (laughs) i was in ato
1: ato alpha tau omega that's right yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, it's it was. You like the fraternity?
2: It was a thing. I mean, looking back now, uh, you know, um, no, <laughs> 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 nothing, nothing about it was good in any way. But at the time, it was a, it was fun. It was fun. It was a group of guys, you know. Yeah, it was a a place to feel. Yeah belonging. You had a house.
1: So one of the things that I didn't ask you about yet, but was a significant part of your life. Cause I, I do know And the first time that you and I met, this mm-hmm. was the thing that struck, struck me the most. Yeah. I felt like I was around actually a little bit of a celebrity. Oh, come on. Was that you are a sailor. I am. Yeah. Our whole family is. And by like, by like a sailor, I don't mean, Hey, I've got this little dinghy I take out and, and float around the pond. I mean like professional sailor.
2: Yeah, yeah, I uh, in the year 2000 we moved to New Zealand and I raced on um, the Ameri- an America's Cup boat called America True, which was based out of San Francisco, and uh, I also stayed and raced in 2003 with One World for a brief t- brief time, um, but yeah, I was the main. They say the main caddy, which means you're the main grinder. Okay, of neither
1: of those things are going to make any sense. Okay, so the, good point. The caddy, you, so you carried some gloves, yeah. clubs, <laughs> and then you, then you, I don't know what grinder is. So Grind,
2: Grinders are those guys, if you s- probably saw on TV, if anyone ever watched sailing, those that would suffer through that boring thing. It's way more fun to do than it is to watch I imagine. A lot, like soccer, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Grinders are those guys that spin those handles and those are the horsepower that turns the winches, which turns those sheets, turns the ropes, brings the sails in, hoists things. That's the power. So there aren't any, on a cruising boat, you're going to have a lot of hydraulics uh, and mechanisms that actually are your power, but yeah. on an America's Cup boat, because it's a carbon shell, everything
1: has to be manpowered.
2: So we generate the power through those bike handles.
1: And how many guys do that?
2: We would have uh, three main guys. But six would be grinding at it, and it's a and
1: constant play. spinning yeah. against resistance. So some people have had those. I mean, I mean you, they have these workout things that have the little yep. bicycle handles. That yeah, you can we would spin. train on those. There's
2: <clears> there's, <throat> there's um, three sets of gearing. So there's a forward big gear, which is a one to one. So that's like when you're you got a lot to do, you do that. You can reverse the pedals, and then you you drop to like I make it up twenty five to one, and then. Okay. Go again forward. You have third gear, which is a real low gear for fine trim.
1: So to do this, I mean, this is like a massive workout when you do oh, this. Yeah. Like because the sail the, to sail it, it. I mean, it's a while. I mean, it takes a while. It's like an hour and
2: oh yeah, the courses Each and stuff. Race? Yeah, yeah. I mean, depending on the wind, it could take hour, two hour race. And you're for sure
1: grinding. You're spinning yeah. these things the whole the whole time. Basically
2: whole time. The, the saying was you grind from your toes up. It takes every muscle in your body to turn the handles because you're coming up and over and around and through it, shoulder workouts, huge in the shoulders, biceps, but you need your legs for stability and you're pushing in that way. So it's a whole body workout. Um, we train for many, many months, year and a half, probably on off seven days a week. I would have to consume somewhere around five or 6,000 calories a day. In order to, no, that's nothing. I do not, that now. In order to not lose weight, <laughs> oh,
1: to not yeah. lose weight. If I, I didn't, I do it to gain the weight. Yeah, that's that's like three times <laughs> your normal meal intake. <laughs> so, how? What, give me a normal meal that you would eat during this time.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. It's kind of fun actually. To think about those of you that are listening that love food. Here you go. Uh, Five a.m. wake up call, run to the gym, which was about two miles, and then it was an hour and a half of lifting and stretch some calisthenics. And then it was shower and get dressed because I did not, none of the grinders wanted to be late for breakfast because we only had an hour to eat and that was pushing it like to get that much food in us that we needed. Um, my normal breakfast was two or three steaks, depending on how they were cooked. New York strip, three chickens, pretty big pile of eggs, which had to be at least six eggs, maybe eight, depending on how they were prepared again. Um, some, some starch so uh, or carbs, so French toast or pancakes, probably six of each. Um, then I'd have a bowl of cereal because the milk was needed to help wash it all down. And I'd pretty much finish off with some oatmeal because that would sustain me for the next 90 minutes before I get hungry again
1: for the next 90 minutes yeah
2: yeah because then you get down to the base and then you are carrying sails loading the boat boats got dropped in when we're sail testing you try try and be off the dock by 10 you don't come in till four hour and a half tow each way um but you'll have to sail i know you see two sails up but we have 15 down below okay and so each sail has a range and we're just trying to find the right ranges (coughs) for those so we load sails for a long time and you're you go through three or four shirts a day, you know, because you're just sweating through it. Then I have a whole pizza on the way out um, or a big, like a hoagie, you know, like with. When you're in, on the boat. On Yeah, so that would be at 1030. So breakfast is at 8 to yeah, 9. So this boat. is a second breakfast. Second bre- brunch.
1: Let's go. Yeah. Cool yeah. brunch? Brunch well, nice. you know. I have a hoagie the or a pizza. Like second breakfast.
2: And then on the way in, I'd eat the other one, either the pizza or the hoagie that I didn't eat before. Okay. Or Whatever was left over because we did have lunch break out there, you'd scavenge. Then I actually didn't eat very much until dinner. I'd meet up with Kim somewhere, and we'd have fish and chips or something and burgers.
1: But, like, when you say fish and chips, like, you're eating a lot of fish and a lot of chips. A lot of chips.
2: A lot of chips. Chips for Americans are French fries. Yeah. So a, po- a pile of French fries with, like, I would have to be a double order, you know, because you'd get only get three fillets, and i need six.
1: <laughs> That's a lot there's, of food, man.
2: Yeah, I, there's, a, there's a few photos of it just because the size is... Yeah, I was a lot bigger than two Remarkable, I
1: mean, like shoulders, wider and shoulders. Yeah.
2: yeah, skinnier waist, wider shoulders,
1: and then now
2: it went the other way. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: the way it it's works, buddy.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's been
1: a while. It's been twenty years. So you, when you competed, uh, when you went to New Zealand, Carl, did you win? No. No. Carl, I got to tell you, you were there. Uh, oh, we, Carl, I was there. Yes. Yeah, you were in New Zealand at the same time I was. How funny! You, you were that. racing Providence. I was not racing. I was dealing with the Kiwis who were mocking me because they said we couldn't win. And then we didn't win. And so I had to deal with a lot, a lot of taunting. Mm -hmm. And I swore to myself, if I ever meet anybody who is on those boats, I'm going to just let them have it. So that's what I've been doing to you for the last few months of your life. But, but seriously, you know, when I first met you, I was like, oh my goodness, you're an America's Cup yacht guy. And you kind of a...
2: It means more to you because you you were down I there. I know, you, but it was a huge thing.
1: And it, was, it was huge.
2: In, in America, unless you live on a coast, it's not a
1: big nah, thing. I know. San Francisco, San Diego, San Diego right? Or. There's a few places that are really big. Rhode team, Island. But yeah. it is a huge, for those of are listening, lady, San, you know. the America's Cup is a huge... It is probably that and the, is it the Volvo Ocean Race? The Volvo. or The, the two yeah. that are kind of like the big mm-hmm. time for, for that professional sport. Yeah.
2: Well, now more people watch the America's Cup because of the foiling, the yeah. speed. We did not have that. We had 90-foot, no. very, very narrow and powerful boats to go to weather, but we did not have the fast yeah. action of that. No. There's still some of my friends that Brad Webb does about. He's still racing with the American team. Well, He's a Kiwi. That so
1: was, um, you're at Denver, so mm-hmm. University of Denver, and then uh, what did you want to do with your life? You wanted to be a professional athlete? Did you want to no. do this is what you wanted to do?
2: No, I was in finance, actually. I uh Was a broker, stockbroker in New York for a while.
1: What do you Uh, mean? And you were a stockbroker in New York? uh,
2: I worked for a firm called, uh, originally it was called Dean Witter. Yes. And then Dean Witter was bought by Morgan Stanley. Then they dropped the Dean Witter name. And then so I was, I worked for Morgan Stanley for a little while in Denver. And then that was short lived, I think.
1: Why? Well, just wasn't, wasn't what you wanted to
2: do. Yeah. It's a hard life, you know, dialing for dollars as, you know, as they say, and it's highly competitive and the environment was changing with, um, you you could, as a broker, you could earn 25 cents a share in the spread back then. And now it's all computer automated trading. So if you get a penny, you're lucky. Yeah. So the, that was going on. And then here comes Kim, uh, Kim lived in San Francisco at the time and I lived in Denver and, you know, I sort of felt Mm -hmm. the call, so So to speak. (laughs) Time, time to get serious about uh, settling down. And the only woman that I, you know, felt really like it wanted was, to settle down with was, is her. Was her. So I had to go, go get her. That's so good. So
1: all this time, though, like you're not after college and stuff like that. You still kind of quasi a Christian, quasi Christian.
2: Qu- quasi, yeah. I mean, so we we pastors, you and I, we talk about Jesus as Savior and Lord. Mm-hmm. I I would say Jesus was Savior, but not Lord. Okay. Right. Lord, not Lord. Of, I was still Lord of my life. He, he was the Savior who died for me. Right. And when I needed him. So if
1: somebody pushed pushed you. You'd be like, oh, I'm a Christian.
2: Oh yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I, even through college, occasionally I was in church. Okay. You know, I went to church, but only, you know. Right. Because there was a big party the night before.
1: <laughs> but then you got involved in like big finance. At I mean, some. You mentioned Utah earlier. Yeah. You, you prior to that though, you were in San Francisco. San Francisco. Um, and you were doing what?
2: Um, I was in the banking industry primarily. Uh, so after America's Cup, I came back, I got into banking, um, commercial banking, private. Were you like a teller? No, no, I, d- I wasn't. Oh, is that beneath I you, love, No, I is love that tellers. that beneath you? Tellers are great. I, I have a lot of friends <laughs> who started as tellers and worked their way up. If you don't keep your drawer in line, you're in trouble.
1: You yes, keep it in my drawers are important keep your to me. You <laughs> <laughs> so you, you are, uh, but you, you got into banking, you were like, like the banker that I would meet if I went and wanted to open an account or? No,
2: no, I was in the commercial world. So I didn't do anything with, um, residential or in the, yeah, in that, we call it residential private, private space. It was all commercial, all corporate, uh, banking. So large companies. And what we did was finance the merger or the acquisition of a privately held business, um, with another business or with a private equity firm, uh, okay. private money that wanted to buy companies and improve them in some way, so twenty million of revenue up to two hundred million of revenue, they were eligible uh, for our group, and we would go out and work with a lot of these um, buyers who yeah those are big companies
1: those are big time buyers,
2: yep yeah and we would write um, debt packages uh, as small as five or ten million, but up as large as a hundred million depending on the size of the deal or par- and participate out and how per- long did you do that twenty years. You know, did 20 it for, years, right for, uh, what well, was formerly known as MNI bank in Milwaukee. And then that was bought through merger in a, by BMO bank of Montreal. Yeah. And, um, after that, I, uh, I worked for Comerica bank in San Francisco and then Zion's bank was my yeah, final. I was going to ask
1: you about Utah, Utah mm-hmm. in a second, but yeah, I would imagine a very lucrative business. Then mm. when I yeah. think of banking, that's what I, that's yeah. what I think of. People get involved in finance like that or people who yeah. end up uh, having a lot of money.
2: Yeah, it was fun too because uh, I specialize in a lot of consumer products as well as services. So a lot of us had our niches in yep. w- in the companies that we built. And like, so this is growth money. This is not just like think of it as I, I'm putting some money with your money. Like when you buy a house, you go get a mortgage, you put some down, the bank puts down the difference. This is a little similar to that, where the bank puts down some money, and you know the buyer, the owner, puts down some money. But the idea is we're going to grow this company. Okay. so the bank had a seat. A lot of times, the banks had some seats at the table. Um, and we're talked through and to and how to build and grow companies and mergers yeah. and acquisitions. So that part was really fun.
1: Okay, so um, you you end up moving to Utah mm. uh, and you're working for Zion Bank. Is that Mormon owned?
2: It's publicly traded, but yeah, it's heavily Mormon managed. Okay,
1: yeah. so I have a question for you. I have a friend who's a church planter in uh, Salt Lake City, mm. and he's often told me that. Uh, I've asked him, so what's it like to live in Salt Lake City? He said to me, imagine that you are th- like the only atheist in in a little town in Alabama. He said, that's what it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be the Christian. The Mormons are, you know, it's a kind of an evangel- evangelistic faith. And so you constantly get invited to go to the stake or whatever the church is called. But anyway, you move there. Uh Still consider yourself a Christian? Are you guys? Is that what you experienced, or was it? Uh, you yeah. love Salt Lake City.
2: I I don't. I didn't mind it. Um, we didn't live in Salt Lake City. We lived up in Park City. Why? That's uh, a long way away. It was thirty miles. It's not that far.
1: It's a big drive. I've mean, driven just, to it.
2: Yeah, thirty miles. So thirty minutes, really. Um, no, we chose. We we intentionally didn't want to live downtown Salt Lake or south of the city. Because of the, that Mormon population, so okay. you have a lot more. Um, at least there's a joke that goes around: the, the miners live in Park City, the Mormons live in Salt Lake City. So we mm. moved up with the miners, which is all a lot of religions, but and, and a lot of secularism. I mean, yeah. it's a it's a wealthy resort town. So yeah. money is God up there. Really, yeah. status too.
1: Yeah. So how long were you been there? Three and a half years. Three and a half years in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Why in the world did you leave Salt Lake City? This starts to get into, I think, you and I have talked before, this starts yeah. to get into kind of the, the story of what brought you to Harvest, isn't it?
2: It does. Yeah, this is the final the final uh, stop before coming back home to the Midwest, which is where the Lord used We're, to sort of bring me home.
1: You guys really happy in Salt Lake City. You're making a lot of money. You're working for this bank. Things are going well mm-hmm. in your family?
2: Things are going well in the business world, probably not great family-wise. Why? Um, Well, with all of that success, you tend to think more highly of yourself than you ought to. And so you start to take things into your own hands, Mm -hmm. I would say. And so, yeah, I mean, when you uh, have those types of resources and you you simply... um, and you're not grounded in in what the Lord wants you to do with them, yeah, then you're, and you're sort of free to do whatever you want with them, right? Which generally means you're gonna use them to uh, advance yourself, to find yeah. relief uh, in from the world, also back in the world, right? So, um, uh, for us, wine was a big thing. We were wine kind of sewers. Okay. So, um, a lot of material. Did you drink things. a lot of wine? We did enjoy good bottles of wine. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing of the past now, but yeah, that, that then actually I did a sermon, what a couple weeks ago. That was Yeah, you did. You talked a little Ephesians bit about five 18 was, uh, was a monumental passage. The Lord brought to mind. After what does it a rough say? Night. Ephesians five 18, Ephesians. Yeah. 5:18. Uh, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled <laughs> with the Holy spirit. Right. And that it was, was a bit of a pretty poignant. Yeah. Right? Like, Hey, uh, dude, stop. But it took a lot, uh, for me to get to the end of myself. I, uh, I squandered a lot of, not financial assets, but, um, relational assets in my life. And, uh, that brought me to my knees to the point where pretty much everything that I had ever worked for or thought that I was going to, uh, have for the rest of my life was on the way out the door. Wow. And, uh, um, I was ready to end it pretty much. Like
1: actually end it.
2: Yep. I was on my knees in my closet. Wow. Um, and I, I was, and, uh, that was the end. Um, and I'm not, um, you know, me, I'm a very straightforward, Mm -hmm. people would not characterize me as overly spiritual. Let's just put it that way. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm a little bit more head grounded. Grounded. Yeah. Being a banker and all. And with my theology, but this, I would kid you not that. The feeling the presence of Jesus Christ, hmm. reaching out and lowering that thing that I would have used to, to end it with, to, to take my life, yeah. um, was palpable. The physical um, and spiritual and the spatial um, event that took place was nothing short of miraculous where I was relieved of the obligation to do such a thing yeah and it was not audible like in your head but like don't worry it's my turn to take over your life so and that's where i yielded
1: kind of been christiany all these years but lived very differently than what that conviction would be and then you're on your knees in your closet and this is a real turning point for you this is the the moment you kind of just give up
2: give up I literally, I gave up my life at that point. I handed over the reins of my life to be to the Lord, and you're 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 the Lord. You, this is the best. This is <laughs> this is the best I did with myself, and no. it's the worst.
1: So, what did your wife think of that?
2: She didn't know what happened. She was doing the same thing, kind of candidly. Really? Yeah. Um. We found out later. Um.
1: So, kind of both miserable, but playing the part of not right. miserable. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bad time. Which is a real. I mean, just as an aside, um, this is one of the interesting things. You, you know, you you talk to people in the in the wider church world, and they'll they'll be like, you know, uh, it's, it's the people who need to be reached are so obviously those who have these practical needs, like you know, they don't have enough food to eat, or they don't have. And that that's absolutely true. But I, th- I think sometimes sometimes in the Western society, we tend to think that those who have the stuff money and success and you know, the, the right looking spouse and the happy looking kids that they're, that they're all fine when the truth is actually they just, it, they just have more um, makeup on their trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, they can afford, yeah, they can I afford have, to make it look better. That's right. But underneath the surface is, is often terror. Terror.
2: And, uh, I was the unsaved Christian. That book came out, what, two two years ago? Mm. And I read it. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, I resonate with this. It's the first 30-some years of my life, right? Um, But Kim and I reflect back on on that time where um, the Lord used all of the bad things that we were doing to each other and to ourselves um, to refine us in such a way that you know, work to our good, because here we are on the other side of that today. Yeah. And so...
1: Um, well, it's been smooth sailing since then, right?
2: It's been it's been <laughs> remarkably different. <laughs> I'll just say that. Nothing's been smooth sailing because... But, I mean, it's not like we have to take it into our own hands anymore. No. Right? I can just lay all that down and be like, whatever you need me to do, Lord. And And from that moment, it was, whatever you need me to do, Lord. And that's what... Well, he, what
1: did the Lord need you to do?
2: Apparently, it was to come here. Uh, so, how did you get here? Well, I embarked on... Um, at the time, Walk in the Word was on the air. And uh, I had been become a new new listener at that point. And, uh, yeah, I embarked on 40 days of prayer to find that out. Mm. And on day 40, I got my answer. And on day 41, we sold our house in Park City.
1: Wow. And you moved here and you joined, basically, the staff of Walk in the Word. I did. What was your job?
2: Well... That's a funny story. I, um, I didn't actually have a position here (laughs) when (laughs) you uh, were invited to come. I was invited to come. Uh, Janine Nelson at the time was, uh, the executive director. And I do remember a fun conversation she had with me. We were on vacation in, um, in Phoenix and she was back here and she called me and she said, "We, we don't have a job for you. But we really want, can you just move to Illinois and go to church here? Okay, so that's really weird, something? though, for
1: a guy who's been in, in banking and like grounded. and yeah, like, upwardly
2: mobile. Like I would never take a job no. that didn't have more income and higher title. Right. With more responsibility. Right. Right. More power, more money. That's what the world tells us to leave the, the smaller yeah, version. Then you, but then
1: you left the money.
2: And I resigned. <laughs> the authority. I resigned. I took no pay when I first got here. <laughs> I did nothing. Yeah, people were like, "What do you do now?" And I said, "Well, it's one of two ways: I'm either homeless and jobless, yeah, or I'm retired. One oh. of the two. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure yet. It depends on what the Lord has for us. So, yeah, we we did, we did that. We shouldn't. We, it's against all logic for us to do. And on many of our family and friends were like, "What in the world is happening yeah. with you people?" You stop drinking. You're you're leaving. You're moving. You're going for what reason? You're you're moving for a church. You're moving because a pastor asked you to move at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the answer was yes. Answer but you eventually yes. started doing some work. F- yeah, for we did. Them.
2: We did. I did. Um, uh, came in and uh, they did end up creating a job. Uh, it was a donor. Uh, donor advising role a uh, fundraising role. Really.
1: So that means that what people would call in and donate money and your job was to connect with some of them. Mm-hmm.
2: And, yeah, all, as many. Um we had a lot of different levels, um people that gave a penny every yep. time they ordered and people that gave $10,000. So we divided that up and I focused on the upper end yep. uh, of the people. And, what was that like? Uh it was actually it was a lot a lot of fun. It was my first um, dipping the toe out of the marketplace and into into ministry, uh, Kim and I would get in our car, get on airplanes, and we'd fly over the country and pastor people. We we you know they we had a list of people that we had, but we'd we'd be in people's lives in Houston and in New York and in California and everywhere in between.
1: And a lot of these folks don't either didn't have a church or didn't feel comfortable in their church or yeah, it was whatever. A mix.
2: It was a mix. We had people who regularly went to church, but then got fed during the week through Walk in the Word um, and supported it. And then we had people that they just considered James their pastor at the time. Yeah. And uh, so we were uh, like a campus pastor would be today at that or then at the time, and we yeah. would go try and care for those people.
1: Wow. I mean, it's interesting to me that, yeah. I mean, given your background, that, it, I mean, it seems like a really good fit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here you was. are talking to people yeah. who have money mm-hmm. and you know exactly what it was like. That was like an actually kind of come kind of to a point of repentance about a lot of what it did to yeah. you. And now you get to counsel them. So tell me. Yeah. Uh, counsel me. Okay. How do, how do I, Carl, be a faithful Christian and have money or use it? Mm. What do I do with it?
2: Uh, I would say, uh, as a good steward, knowing who owns the money, actually, and who blessed you with the arrival of said money, uh, also acknowledging that he has the power to take it away, because I've seen it happen. hmm Uh, easy come easy go so to speak hard fought easy leave I mean you name it the money can come and go Mm. um, without warning in many respects especially if it's in any in any environment that um, you know that's not your mattress let's just say that right right so um, you I don't I've always thought of it this way even when I was um I would say BC before Christ, but I knew the Lord and we did, we were generous in our, in our, we tried to be generous to the extent we could, but it was really obvious to me that, um, if the Lord is, uh, eager to share for people to share that, you know, we're really just a pipe, you know, we're just a conduit for what he's given us into other areas. So, if we look at it as a way that all that I have is for it's for me to steward to the benefit of everyone and us, then you know you start to change your mind a little bit on how um, you might share that.
1: Yeah, so, it sounds so, like the parable of talents to me. Yeah, that God's money—it's got he, right. He's—he's he, he, he's, you know he's—he's he's gone away. He's kind of come back here. You've been put in in charge of of it, and your job is to double it for His sake. Right but double it not in your bank account but basically use use the money for growth of the kingdom
2: right. and you know if we're a portal right we I think you even said what this weekend you mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be gold plated you know portal copper will do just fine mm-hmm. i think i heard you saying i was like yeah that's exactly right you know we lived in a gold plated place before i was still generous then but today it's really different right mm-hmm. like it's more outbound than than inbound yeah. now there's certainly assets that you want to preserve for future, whether you give those to your kids to manage so that they, they learn stewardship and so on and so forth. But you can make money go really far if it's invested wisely. Right. And the interest, you know, yields good fruit for ministry purposes. And so, and you can use everything you have for the glory of the Lord. Um, yeah. We use our houses, you know, as much as we can. Our house is open to anyone to stay in. <laughs> yeah. We use on the, the early
1: church, that's actually how the they met was in the houses of people who had larger houses so that the whole church could get together at a time.
2: You know, so it's just, it's a different mentality of that was mine. You can borrow it, but don't break it to that's not mine. And I just happened to be holding onto it for a while. Why don't you use it since I don't need it right now? Yeah. Those are really different mindsets. They are. And if the world had more of that, it'd be a different place.
1: Yeah. Well, if the church had more of that, it would probably be a different place. It's a remarkable thing that, that money is, uh, such an issue for so many Christians and yet such a, it is, I said, said recently that it is such a, it's a window through which you can see the, the true heart of a person. Yeah. So um, what you're now the campus pastor at the North shore campus one year, which is awesome. I love the North shore campus of our church. Me too. And uh, you are moved into, I, I recently, demanded that you move into some area having to do with what what we're calling multiplication. Yeah. What does that mean?
2: So I'm so excited about this. I, I view multiplication as, um, well, for one, let's just back up and use, start with stewardship, right? Yep. Harvest has some resources yeah. and uh, we've been focused inwardly pretty, fo- pretty long. Now it's time to focus outwardly and uh, multiplication can, I think uh, manifest itself in a lot of different ways, especially as we look to grow, not just our church, but the capital C church, yep. the churches around the world. So that should happen with, um, you know, with people, Yep. right? Um, it can happen in by way of a, a process, call it leadership development processes, training, mm-hmm. teaching processes. and um, And, you know, it can happen just in financial terms as well, whatever yep. that looks like, whether we can support missional work or growth or the sending of yep. just financially where we can add to it. With a non-financial uh, resources, but maybe personal resources, right. whatever it takes to replicate—not just the church, but the people in the church, right. those that are growing and maturing and finding uh, that the Lord is really using them yep. to expand. We want to see that happen as mi- as as often as possible. In, so you've been—you've
1: got involved recently, even with some church planning talk and talking church, to yeah. church planning, which yeah. Harvest was a real part of for a long time. Long so time. it's been kind of a foray back into what we what we were doing for a long a long time have you found uh the people who you're talking to 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 be excited about that prospect that harvest has come back into it or is it different
0: yeah
2: no people are very people are very excited to see harvest come back back into it now we need we have a little work to do the the field of play has shifted in the last four years where we've been absent um almost five years now so uh with the advent of networks and uh, concepts like uh, collaboration uh, or co-creation, uh, is a term I recently heard, um, churches that are not necessarily um, planting together, but together planting is mm-hmm. a, a term that's come up in a book recently that we, we've both read. And um, that whole environment is really different than Harvest is used to because we planted Harvest churches. Yeah, <laughs> we we had a franchise or, you know, franchisee model, you know, we replicated ourselves in different locations where the, you know, and that's, that's different today. It's different. That's, that's not as, um, I don't think you can go as far when it's so siloed like that. Right. We need to, um, within the boundaries of doctrine, um, focus a little bit more on some unification tactics inside the church so that multiple churches can take ownership of planting and share the burden of that.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, there's a great. It's a great move, actually, of what's been happening in, in behind the scenes in some of the church planning world, and I'm actually really looking forward to it. It was really um, popular and kind of trendy for a while, church planning, but a lot of the trendiness has sort of <laughs> been rubbed off of it. So now, you, what you're left with are the people who are like, "Well, no, we're actually really committed to this, and think that it's the best. Think it's the best way to reach uh, to, to reach the world is through new, renewed." Uh, churches that are proclaiming the gospel and having an impact in their communities. So I thank God for you. Did you know that oh. I, uh, before I came here, um, I was praying that the Lord would, uh, provide people. And he, I've been shocked actually at how much work the Lord had done here with certain people to, so that when I've arrived, I'm like, well, this is, I mean, <laughs> I feel like I'm riding a wave that the Lord's been, um, uh, creating and you're part of that so I really do thank you for that there's a lot of people here who are like that I'm just super excited about um, about that I've told one time I shouldn't say super excited because it sounds like I'm like more eight. than excited no that'll I'm eight years old <laughs> yeah. but I don't know that's like a thing they say isn't it super excited anyway. Yeah, more than, I
2: mean you could say excited but because we say super excited so much now it's down a
1: notch I know now you have like, to say super duper excited right like
2: everything has to be bigger and better than the last time I
0: said
1: it Carl uh, here's the lightning round Lightning round. This is how we're going to end it, okay? I'm okay. just going to tell you questions that come to my mind mm. about anything I want to ask at all. Okay. Okay? Let's
2: we'll see if I can keep up.
1: All right. Name three oh. uh, parts of a, of, uh, of a sailboat that I don't know. Uh, the
2: Cunningham, the Vang, and...
1: Oh, wait. You could pretty much name any. Name any? Okay.
2: <laughs> I'll say the outhaul. <laughs>
1: the outhaul. Okay. Uh, why are you a Packers fan? Oh
2: man, that's like why isn't everyone a Packers okay, fan? Okay,
1: because what is the worst moment of being a Packers fan?
2: Oh well, this weekend was not awesome. I yeah, mean, but what's the worst goals.
1: moment of being a Packers fan oh,
2: mm. ever? Uh, for me, in my lifetime, see, I didn't, I wasn't in the early, but uh, when Brett Favre left us and went and played for the Vikings, that was really hard.
1: Oh okay, yeah. why are you a Brewers fan?
2: I do like the Brewers. I, I'm a Milwaukee fan, you know. I'm just and so.
1: Did you celebrate the Bucks' victory?
2: I did. From my home, though, <laughs> I didn't go there. It's too many people.
1: Right? Why does your son go to Liberty?
2: Uh Good Christian education, and I mean it, it's like Harvest. It has a lot of feel. Uh, it's similar there. But we we sent like ten kids from Harvest to Liberty, so he's loving it. He's on the ski team.
1: Ski at Liberty. There's yeah, a Liberty. A fake, sk- there's a, a
2: Liberty ski team. Yeah, it's it's a freestyle team. He got his backflip in. Do they know what
1: snow is though? They they know that It's fake snow. Yeah, they oh.
2: have a mount. They built a mountain, and it's like. Skiing on carpet with water, which is great. The kids do that in Park City, too, in the summer, because you ski around in the summer, yep. so they're used to it.
1: Okay. Uh, your daughter wants to go to Liberty?
2: Well, we're going out there in two weeks for Parents Weekend, so that'll be her first time seeing it. She right. also wants to consider Biola, uh,
1: Baylor. Bio- uh, Bi- listen, Biola is the answer to that. Is it? Okay. Um, so I've not been there. Also, your, your youngest son, he has way too much hair. <laughs> How, why is he not getting haircut more often?
2: He just he just got a haircut actually.
1: Yeah, but, but it's still it's they, still too long. They left it way is it, too long.
2: Is Blake's hair longer than Micah's? No,
1: my son Micah is ridiculous hair. Okay, so, so there. there's my son Ethan.
2: But Blake looks up to Micah, so yeah. Well, there you go. He'll learn when Micah gets his haircut. Guess yeah, who else will? Okay, oh, just kidding.
1: Blake. Blake, I love you. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. You're a good guy again, and I thank God for you, and I'm thankful for your time. Uh, talking to me everybody's got a story and you certainly do have one so any final words oh no i
2: enjoyed being here thanks for having me
1: you bet buddy okay talk to you guys next time